I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. Coming up, we'll discuss the neuroscience of chronic pain and various mind-body approaches with Dr. Yoni Ashar, a clinical psychologist and neuroscientist at CUN Schutz, and Bradley Fanestil, MD, an internist and the director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine at Boulder Community Health. We begin with some upcoming events on the science calendar. First, as you just heard earlier on The Morning Magazine, this week is the 75th Annual Conference on World Affairs that will be held at the University of Colorado Boulder campus. The overarching topic for this year's conference is exploring the global climate crisis. If you want more information about what's going on with the Conference of World Affairs, you can visit their website at cwa.colorado.edu. Also this week, also on the University of Colorado Boulder campus, the Fisk Planetarium has several events for a more astronomical bent. If you have never seen a full-dome film in a planetarium, here's your chance. Fisk's projection system has 58 million pixels and was the first 8K projection system in the Western Hemisphere. On Friday, April 14th, at 7 p.m., Fisk will show the film Forward to the Moon, narrated by Carrie Byron from Mythbusters. The film highlights NASA's Artemis mission to return human on-site exploration of the moon. The Artemis program plans to land people on the moon within the next two years, and just last week, NASA announced the four-person crew of the second Artemis mission. The first mission, which flew around the moon a few months ago, did not have a live crew. Artemis II will fly the crew around the moon, and Artemis III will land humans on the moon for the first time in over 50 years. The one-hour film will be followed by a 30-minute related science talk with plenty of time for questions. Then, on Saturday, April 15th, Fisk Planetarium and Summers Bosch Observatory will celebrate Astronomy Day. From 1 to 4 in the afternoon, they will have family-friendly activities, including building and launching model rockets, drawing your own postcard that will go into space, designing your own exoplanet, looking through telescopes, and playing with ultraviolet light and more. Then, from 6 to 10 that night, you can have a live presentation by astronomers and aerospace engineers and look at the night sky through telescopes and catch new planetarium films that feature research being done here on the Front Range. For more information about Astronomy Day, full dome films, and other events at Fisk Planetarium, go to their website at colorado.edu slash Fisk.
If you've been feeling a nagging pain in your lower back or another body part for many weeks or even years, you're hardly alone. As many as one in five Americans suffer from chronic pain. The problem has cost the country more than $600 billion in treatments and lost work time. Chronic pain is a leading cause of disability, and it often eludes conventional treatments, such as prescri prescription drugs. In recent years, neuroscientists, psychiatrists, and other researchers have been studying the role that the brain plays in processing and even causing pain. This understanding of the connection between the brain and pain has also spawned promising forms of mind-body approaches to reducing and even eliminating pain. Our guests today are at the forefront of research and clinical treatment of chronic pain. Dr. Yoni Ashar is an assistant professor at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus in the Medicine Department of Psychiatry. And Dr. Brad Fenestel is an internist and director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine at Boulder Community Health. Dr. Ashar joins us via phone from Denver. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so, great to be here. Great to have you, and welcome, Brad, to the studio. Thank you. Yeah, nice to see you, Susan. So I want to jump in. Um, Dr. Ashar, we'll say Yoni, uh, starting with you. So cognitive neuroscientists and others have understood, it seems, for years that the brain plays a major role in processing pain. So maybe distill what's the latest in neuroscience research and an understanding of how this interrelationship works and why it's important. Yeah, so like you've said, we've known for years that the brain is the major organ that processes pain. Um, one way to think about this is that pain is an output of the brain, not an input. The old view was that the body would send signals to the brain, uh, pain signals to the brain, and the brain receives pain signals from the body. We now know that's not true. The body sends all kinds of signals to the brain, and the brain then decides whether to create pain or not. So it's an output of the brain. But what has really, I think, for, you know, been um, a major breakthrough has been the idea that not only does the brain process pain, that when pain is chronic, the brain can also generate the pain. So the brain can be the main cause of chronic pain and not injuries in the body. And, and so, not with acute yeah. pain. You're yeah. saying when it comes to chronic pain, the brain can exactly. be the generator. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And typically, and, and, and Dr. Fenestel, Brad, will say, um, what's this distinction between, just for those who may not know, acute and chronic pain? Yeah, acute pain is uh, something that's uh, immediate, uh, usually comes on quickly, uh, and you can think of just a twisted ankle or something. Um, and it's usually short-lasting. Bodies heal and pain gets better. So chronic pain would, uh, different definitions are used depending on, on the research study being done or something. But generally, if your pain's lasted longer than six months, uh, and then we would call it chronic. It's long-term, it's coming and going over a long period of time or constant over a long period of time. I see. And um, Yoni, I know some of our colleagues had, some of your colleagues on the show several years ago when the Boulder Back Pain study was published, I think in 2000, I forget what year. Twenty-two. Uh, 22, and you led that study. It seemed to be a seminal study itself and kind of a turning point in 
spawning more treatment related to this. So if you could distill, I know this is a big study, but sort of what were the what was the study? It was here in Boulder, and and what were the findings? Yeah, this was a study testing a new treatment called pain reprocessing therapy that is based on this idea that you're, you know, the brain is generating this form of chronic pain. And, and you know, we call it a neuroplastic chronic pain. We can talk later about you know, what, what that is. But, and, and this treatment pain reprocessing therapy aims to eliminate, to help the brain unlearn chronic pain. Mm. And, you know, briefly what we found was that two-thirds of people were pain-free or nearly, nearly pain-free of chronic back pain. Uh, after treatment. And this was a study with 150 people. On average, people had 11 years of chronic back pain. And after a month of treatment, uh, most were out of pain. And that's a pretty significant finding. Did that success, did those results last months later? And even years later? Yeah. So we followed people for one year. The results basically lasted, held for one year. And we are just now actually collecting five-year follow-up data. So pretty soon we'll know how these people are doing five years later. Uh, but this is, this is a major finding because m- many other studies have found that psychological treatments can help people with their pain. Maybe it takes the edge off. Maybe they're functioning a bit better. But uh, when it comes to eliminating chronic pain with a psychological treatment, that's, uh, that's really pushing the frontiers of, uh, of the power of the mind and the brain. Interesting, because so many other forms of treatment, I guess you'd say, would be like what John Kabat-Zinn, the Zen teacher and MD, introduced decades ago into Mass General, I think it started, with a mindfulness-based stress reduction, like these different forms, or cognitive behavioral therapy, for that matter, that help you ease the pain, but you're saying really don't eliminate it. They're not medical approaches, or not enduring medical approaches. That, that's right. Because they don't fully appreciate how powerful the brain can be. And, and so like the mindfulness-based approach is this idea of the, the second arrow uh, in Buddhist terms where your mind can add a layer of suffering to the pain and mindfulness can help you suffer less. At but least one layer, your, probably 10. One <laughs> layer, exactly, or 10. <laughs> but what we're doing with these neuroscience-based treatments that we're saying, no, no, the brain is the root of it. The brain is generating it. The brain can learn to stop it. And it's not about you know peeling back layers of suffering. It's actually getting rid of it at the root. Interesting. So befriending your brain and putting it to work. So on that note, yeah. um, Brad Finestel, I want to turn to you and say, so what, how do you define neuroplastic pain? Because this is the kind of pain we're addressing now, not the acute yeah. pain. Yeah, neuroplastic pain is uh, the pain that, yeah, I just think of it as pain that's generated by the brain. I want to be, my understanding is that, uh, as Yoni described at the beginning, all pain is generated by the brain. By the brain. Incoming sensory uh, input comes in when I step on a nail, and my brain goes, oh my gosh, that's dangerous, and then my brain creates a bunch of pain circuits. Uh, and so, but pain is a protective mechanism. Um, so, you know, when I do step on a nail or break my ankle, I want pain. I don't want to not have pain and just keep walking on this damaged ankle. So, um, 
So neuroplastic pain is pain that is either generated completely by the brain or the brain is has learned a certain circuit to run. And there may be some incoming sensory input that somebody else or some other brain might perceive as stiffness. Your particular brain might be perceiving this as dangerous and then mm. augmenting the incoming signal. So it could be pain that's either augmented by the brain or even actually just completely generated by the brain. Interesting. And it's interesting that you cited an example of stepping on a nail. I think it was in the book called The Way Out that came out a couple of years ago that mm -hmm. highlights the boulder back pain study and others. They gave this example of someone who stepped on a massive nail. I think it was on a farm. It was an excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. Goes to the ER. Well, it turns out that nail had actually gone between two toes. There was no structural tissue pain. But the brain was like, oh. God, this is so painful. Right. So this is kind of what you're talking about, not just imaginary pain. It actually is, but it stems from. Right. And that was a case yeah. report actually published in the British Medical Journal several years ago uh, because this guy who, you know, he's, in, he's writhing. They had to give him pain medication just to deal with his foot and cut the boot off to see what was going on. So, And then as soon, of, of course, as his brain realized the nail hadn't penetrated the foot, then his pain went away. So, Brad, I want to ask you, since you've been an internist for 30-plus years and are now, or have been for the last few years, the director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Boulder, how have you been applying this approach? Sort of boots on the ground, as it were. Yeah, I started this just uh, through, uh, I started reading about the new neuroscience a few years ago and using some of these ideas in some of my own primary care patients and watching people get better, uh, some of whom I'd known for 20 plus years. And, and I thought, you can't get better. You've had back pain for 20 years, or you've had your irritable bowel problem for 20 years, or your chronic pelvic pain, or whatever you have. And I'm like, how, how, that's impossible. But they were getting better using these ideas. And so, uh, uh, so I you know, start, we started this clinic I, in conjunction with Boulder Community Health, uh, which owns the local Boulder Community Hospital, started this clinic. And I knew I would get busy from the get-go because uh, this is a common problem. This isn't like some rare thing that once a month somebody's walking into my office saying, I've got this weird problem nobody can figure out or nobody can solve my back pain. I, so they've been rare. to many different practitioners. Oh, my goodness. They've yeah, had scans all after over scans. The place. And I, this isn't mm. once a month, though. This was four times a day in internal medicine. Mm. It's a super common problem. It's the most common cause of chronic pain. And uh, so, and indeed, I'm, you know, got busy right away. I have a long waiting list. Most of my patients come from the primary care docs, neurologists, just uh, a lot of the different specialists who just see they have a patient who's not getting better. So this is, you know, it's starting to be well recognized, at least within our community, as a valid treatment um, for, for people. And I, I'm not sure I answered your question there about exactly what we do. But. Well, I want to ask you and then, and then Yoni, because Yoni, I know you work with patients as well and continue mm -hmm. to do research, both clinical and more basic research. But Brad, right. so an example of a patient who has applied this approach, which looks like X, Y, Z, yeah. and after X period of time. Yeah, so I mean, there, uh, there are hundreds of these that I could give you just in the last few years, but you know, certain, some stick out a little more than others. Um, you know, some basic problems, plantar fasciitis. I've had several people with plantar fasciitis and sometimes for years, uh, some of them have had procedures, surgeries. They've all tried various inserts and physical therapy and stretching this and that. It, it often came and went and they had good days and bad days, but 
many times I've seen people that's been going on for they've stopped running. For instance, I had a woman who just stopped running. She's a runner. She can't run for the last year. Um, and and then using these mind body tools of uh, helping her understand that the uh, that the pain that the indeed there is sensory input coming in from the foot. Uh, from her plantar fascia to the brain, but her brain is doing something. It's, and this is outside of her conscious awareness. This isn't like she has poor coping skills or something. Mm. This is way below coping. This is down, I like to say, this is down in your autopilot part of your brain. I, I often refer to it as your autonomic nervous system part of your brain that, that's running you without you being in control of it. And it's making these decisions to augment whatever signal's coming in. So anyway, I've had several people with that. That's a type of injury that, mm. uh, who, and people who've had it for sometimes a year, year and a half, they've seen all, and boom, goes away usually within a month or two of doing this kind of uh, retraining of the brain. Wow, and really goes away. And really goes away. I mean, <laughs> back to running, running marathons, running everything, yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Yoni Ashar, if you could describe some of what the actual tools are and what a regime would look like. I assume there's not yes. one-stop shop for everyone. Yes. Um, step one, <laughs> figure out whether you have neuroplastic pain or not. We can talk about how to do that, but that is critical, like figuring out what is this, what is the cause of pain? Is there really, is the bulging disc really the cause of my pain or is that just incidental and unrelated? Well, and actually that's um, super important before going to step two, because there may yeah. be several steps. Okay. I actually do break that down. <laughs> Say, how, how does one okay. know? How does a practitioner know? How yeah. would I know? So how do we, so here's some, some clues. So things that are not, so if, you know, uh, uh, x-rays or MRIs show like a bulging disc or, um, you know, something or some mild uh, arthritis. Those findings are super, super common in people who have no pain whatsoever. So those are, first of all, those are not in any way uh, definitive or diagnostic. Mm. That just take it with a grain of salt. Great. Lots of people have that. They have no pain. You might have it too. They may be completely unrelated to your pain. Um, what might indicate the presence of neuroplastic pain is a, is a few things that we look at, and uh, Brad can is an expert in the diagnosis here as well. But when you have multiple a history of multiple different pain conditions, so maybe there were stomach issues when you were younger, and then there was some back pain, and now there's headaches. When we start seeing a, a globalized, generalized pattern of multiple pain conditions, it starts getting very likely that there is. You know, the brain is turning up the volume on all these different symptoms. So would you use to you having, sorry, would you use to ahead. call these patients hypochondriacs? Or it's uh, in your mind? I mean I assume there's that, a distinction. That might there. be a polite yeah. That might be a polite term uh for, for them. But they've they've gone by many names. Uh but you know, and often honestly these people have been kicked around, patients have been kicked around from doctor to doctor, told they're making it up, all kinds of you know, um, bad things, especially, yeah, women and people from other minority groups. Hmm. And what we are now getting is a language that of, of you know, neuroplastic symptoms and that, that puts this in solid scientific ground and explains how this is 100% real. No one's making it up. The brain is hmm. driving it. And we're starting to, you know, unpack what are those neural pathways and how does this work so it's no less real, even when the brain no is less real. driving the 
car. So um, exactly. that was step one. We're going to go to step two. But first, just a little break for those who are joining us late. You're listening to KGNU. I'm host Susan Moran, and we're discussing the neuroscience and mind-body connections and treatments of chronic pain with Dr. Yoni Ashar of CU Anschutz Medical Campus and with Dr. Brad Fenestel, director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Boulder. So, Yoni, back to you. Step two, then. Of the treatment. Step two, I would is, is you know change your thinking. So start telling yourself there's nothing wrong with my body. My back is fine. My back is safe. My back is healthy and strong. My knee is safe. Nothing wrong with my shoulder. So just change those thought patterns and start sending yourself a, what we say messages of safety. It's like I'm safe. This mm. is safe. Mm-hmm. Um. Other components, step three, would be starting to return to healthy, normal activity levels. If you stopped running, you know, slowly start running again. If you stop playing tennis, slowly start playing tennis again. And um, step four, this is not necessarily chronological, but another piece of it would be a technique we call somatic tracking, which is a kind of mix of mindfulness and cognitive reappraisal. It's a way of learning how to pay attention to the sensations without fear. Mm. And that's like a, it's sort of like, like a skill that people can learn, a particular mm. skill you can practice of learning how to pay attention to the sensations without, without fear. And do you do that as part of a, you know, three times a day mindfulness practice or whenever you catch yourself back in that loop? Yeah, all, um, all, all of the above are good. And um, I'm also, yeah, curious to hear what, what Brad would add to, to how I laid out the, the treatment from his perspective as yeah. well. Well, obviously, you laid it out just in, in the way it's done. It can be difficult for people to sort of grok this Um because uh, when you're saying, well, just start think different, think think differently, and, and there is, and I, I call this cognitive reframing. I think you call it cognitive reappraisal, but uh, that's not just you know we're not BSing yourself here. This isn't just sort of like oh I'm just going to tell myself I'm going to think happy thoughts instead of bad thoughts. That is not what this is. Good point. Uh, this is uh, there is the the educational part is critical at the beginning to cognitively reappraise yourself. The understanding that if your pain's been lasting longer than six months, it's coming from the brain, period. Now, there may be something coming from the back, a mm. stiff joint if you have arthritis or something, but if it's been going on six months, and especially if you've done a lot of due diligence and nobody can really figure out how to treat it, it's coming from the brain. The brain, the brain learns things, and the brain learns very quickly. I like to call this a habit loop the brain gets in. Mm. Uh, brains are really good at forming habits. If I'll you've say. been practicing, uh, it, you start, you learn to ride a bike. Pretty soon your brain, that, we call it muscle memory. It's really a circuit in your brain telling the muscles what to do. If you've been practicing pain for a long time, guaranteed, regardless of what triggered it or the onset or regardless of what your back looks like, the brain is running some learned neural circuits. Mm-hmm. And like it becomes train. a noun, not just a verb, <laughs> am pain this yes. is pain forever yeah. and you be, so uh, so that understanding the reading the books and and learning that this is not just uh, oh let's apply a little mindfulness in a slightly different way to this this is the new neuroscience of pain mm. and this is not uh, yeah it's not just happy thoughts so that critical understanding is important for all of these ideas to work so we only have a minute and a half or so mm. left so I want to ask you each for some takeaway. And um, Yoni, let me start with you. So how would you suggest 
for listeners or anyone suffering from chronic pain and have tried presumably all sorts of different things without being too promotional, but what sort of uh, next step would you suggest? I would say get really interested in what is causing your pain and try to figure that out. Um, You know, Brad's got a great clinic right in Boulder. If you can get in with Brad, that's great. Um, I'm, we're enrolling now for a clinical trial that people can find. The link is at red, www.redcap.link slash back pain. It's a clinical trial, but um, just try to figure out what's causing the pain. And if it's the brain, there's a lot of really exciting new options that you can try. And we'll put a link to that trial on the website. Oh, and, great. Um, Thank you. Brad Finesto, what would what would you say? Uh, yeah, to educate yourself about the new neuroscience. I'm a big fan of uh, Alan Gordon's book. Alan participated in the Boulder Back Pain Study, and, and uh, Yoni, of course, knows him well. But and that's the book called it's the a Way book Out. called The Way Out. Um, and Alan runs the uh, the Pain Psychology Center in Los Angeles for many years. And it's really he's not a doctor, which is one reason I really like the book. It's just a great introduction from a. He's just great at talking to people and introducing this. Kind concept from a non, uh, you know, super neuroscience standpoint, but he gets into the neuroscience, but it's just so he makes it really easy to understand. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Um, first you, Brad, for coming into the studio and on the show. Bad. Thanks for having me. And thanks so much, Yoni. Thank you so much for having me. That was Dr. Yoni Ashar, an assistant professor at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus in the Department of Internal Medicine, and Dr. Brad Fanestel, an internist and the director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine at Boulder Community Health. And like I said, we'll post links to some research and other resources related to mind-body approaches to chronic pain. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Shelley Schlender. This week's show was produced by me, Susan Moran, and engineered by Joel Parker. Additional contributions from Joel Parker. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Conference on World Affairs favorites Brad Good and Ernie Watts. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments, call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran.